<laughs> no reason to do anything anymore. Everything is awful. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> oh, we didn't do the clap. That's why. We don't have to anymore. Oh, son of a... Oh, my gosh, Ben. You're fucking ridiculous. Got unlocked. It was probably one of my children. So it's been really nice, but our jobs are toast. We're... It's game over. Life is over and everything is awful. Today, we're going to talk about AI and the massive sweeping sensation that it has become. So, Jacob, what is AI? Well, you probably haven't heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, It's only literally every post on my LinkedIn. (laughs) It is every post, and I see everything from how amazing it is to how... The world is over. We're doomed, right? Yeah. So artificial intelligence is a branch in computer science that aims to create systems theorized. (laughs) Damn it, Ben. It's all your fault. That you can't pronounce a word? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Theorized. So artificial intelligence is a branch in computer science that aims to create systems capable of performing tasks that usually require human intelligence. Mm -hmm. This includes tasks like understanding natural language, recognizing patterns, and making decisions. Types of AI range from systems designed for a specific task known as like narrow AI, which could be like tweets or um, language recognition, things like that. Yeah. And then to those theorized to perform any intellectual task that a human can do known as general AI. So AI technologies include machine learning, deep learning, natural language processing, and computer vision. Yeah. And that's closer to the chat or whatever it is. (laughs) Chat (laughs) (laughs) Um, Closer to like chat GPT and that kind of thing is more of the general ai of hey can you do this task for me can you do my homework for me you know that kind of stuff what we are seeing today is leaps and bounds ahead of where this all started and really it's just been really recent explosive growth in that field as far as like the history of ai goes it's really been pretty slow and gradual and moving along i mean it's been around since at least as an idea since the 1950s That really started with a guy named Alan Turing. You might have heard of the Turing test, which is built to check, well, when does an AI become sentient and when is it dangerous, that kind of thing. That's what people talk about with the Turing test. That was that guy. So AI as an idea has really been around since the 1950s, at least as a concept. An idea that was brought about by Alan Turing and the Dartmouth Conference. Early AI in the 1960s to 70s was really focused on symbolic methods, and it was shifting towards machine learning in the 80s and 90s as algorithms learned from data. Then in the 2000s onward, we saw a lot of significant AI growth, and that was due to increased computing power and data availability. Those were two things that were really limited in the past, especially the computing power. If you think back to the early 90s, you know, you go to the store and I bought two I, I bought two megabytes of RAM. That was a lot. Or I got a gigabyte hard drive and that was a lot. And now we look at that and we go, that's not a lot at all. So as hardware increased, the uh, 
the ability to research and improve AI also increased. And this has led to sophisticated techniques like deep learning and widespread AI application across various fields. It's pretty much everywhere now where it used to be really a niche thing. Yeah. And to dive deeper into the role, at least in like app development, we've already been seeing this in just personalization and like predictive analysis. Like, mm. And like what, what I mean by that is just user experience. It's making it easier for developers and platforms to personalize your experience, like content curation. How does Netflix know exactly what I don't want to watch? Really bad AI. That's, right, that's how. Exactly. <laughs> and you can see the differences like between platforms like YouTube really does content curation well, in my mm -hmm. opinion, at least for me. Oh, it for sure it does. And that probably corresponds to the amount of data that Google has yes. on all their users, right? As AI is stepping up, and I think we're going to see leaps and bounds now over the next five years. Oh, yeah. The, the YouTube the, algorithm is largely just what have they interacted with and what have they watched all the way through? What have they liked in the past? And they make guesses based on that. Mm -hmm. A more AI-based approach would be let's build a profile on this person. And let's go ahead and predict what they're actually going to like based on personality traits and some of that same data. But it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. It's more, it's able to predict what you're going to like and not, I'm going to shotgun some stuff that we think you're going to like based on hashtags. You just don't know you want to watch this video yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I want to watch this video. <laughs> Um, so like going more into that, you can talk about ad placement on social media. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's ad placement in social media is going to be a big thing for AI because lar up to this point, we've been relying on things like Facebook and Google with here's tons and tons and tons of data. And as time goes on, they've been allowed to get away with collecting massive amounts of data in the past. That's not so much the case anymore. I mean, at least in the US, Facebook's allowed to get away with it, but that's a whole different tangent thing. If you look at, for example, the TikTok Congress hearings, where the CEO of TikTok was brought out and was asked a billion questions about the platform, most of the questions were dumb, but he got grilled about data safety and data security and how much data are you collecting on your users. So the tolerance for it as a whole is degrading pretty quickly. AI is probably going to step in and like we were talking about pro profile based guesses, the same way forensic investigative teams have like a criminal profiler. They go and say, okay, well, this is the crime that happened. Let's get into the head of the person that did this. And they can find clues and make some pretty educated guesses on who they're looking for based yeah, on Yeah, they'll context. be like, Ben's a dork with Basically. magic potion yes. and anime t-shirts. <laughs> yep. And this is what he want, wants to watch. <laughs> <laughs> he was beaten to death by his wife for being a dork. <laughs> but anyways, that same way that they get into their head and build context for the case and figure out, okay, where are we starting looking for people? That same idea is going to be true in social media. And we've got that. We've got the social media. 
it also has a million other applications. For example, it's being used right now in video games to personalize enemy encounters based on playstyle. I've seen a lot of research papers and a couple of bigger studios are actually starting to implement this in some games that are in development where they will say, okay, this player really likes to play ranged. They like to fight from a distance or this player really likes melee. He likes to get in their face and be in the action and really fight. And they will tailor the way that enemies react and the way that their behavior works their behavior trees, which paths they're going down and all that stuff based on the profile of this player. If they really like to fight ranged, then they're tweaking it to where that's an advantage. This is why I haven't been able to play video games since Nintendo 64. <laughs> <laughs> <awesome>. Right. <laughs> but, and you could tweak it the other way. If, if I've got a player who really likes ranged, cool. I'm going to throw a bunch of melee specific stuff at him because screw them. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but no, it's being used that way. And they're using AI to tailor those behavior trees to the behavior of the player and give them a deeper, richer experience and be less of a drag on them. Because historically, you'll have a game where they've got a variety of different bosses and that kind of stuff, where this boss I really hate because I play, like me personally, I play melee stuff. So I'm up close. I like to get right in the face of the enemy and then it requires range stuff and it drives me insane because I don't want to play that way. Yeah. And it helps tailor the experience so it's less frustrating for players. So that kind of stuff is going on with AI as well. And then what do they call them? NPCs? Yes. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see more like AI integrated <laughs> to those kind. There's of actually a whole bunch of projects going on right now where they're integrating chat GPT into NPCs. I think there's even a Skyrim mod for it now where the NPCs will use ChatGPT to not only answer questions, but maintain a history of their answers. The same way if you keep a chat Dang. going, it yeah. just assigns a chat to that NPC. And so they keep their backstory. Everything's consistent. And the more you interact with them, the richer their story gets. And it, again, changes their behavior. Dude, I didn't even think about that. Mm -hmm. That's really cool, especially for like story based. Oh, yeah. Like RPGs, yeah. Yep. So story writers, sorry, you're out of a job too. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get into the, the dims and glooms <laughs> in a little bit. Another spot we're going to see this very quickly is automation and virtual assistants. Oh, for sure. Because we are already, we've already seen virtual assistants claiming to use AI. And over the last few months, I think this is just going to make virtual assistants amazing. Like you're not going to have a need for a human to, you know, schedule you and to tell you. Or if we're being positive, this allows virtual assistants <laughs> to really scale. <laughs> no, <laughs> humans are done. <laughs> Son. <laughs> Like you're not going to have to pay someone sixty thousand dollars a year, yeah, to vet messages or phone calls. Like all this stuff is going to be automated, and it will be automated well. Yep, and that's the whole point. Is instead of it's it's that automated well part, right? Because we've all done the phone tree. Yeah, <laughs> you're like operator. Ah, I'm sorry, I did not quite get that. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So it's really going to improve the capabilities of those kinds of apps and functionalities. And there's going to be AIs for everything. One that we were laughing at before we started recording was Chad GPT. And Chad, that's GPT. just ridiculous. I think it's hilarious that it exists because well, you should just tell us what it is. <laughs> the virtual assistant for Tinder. <laughs> um, it's basically like it's a Chrome extension yeah. and it helps you write messages to a uh, potential Tinder. What would a real Chad say here? <laughs> oh, oh, it's ridiculous. So but yeah, so. So if you're socially awkward, if you're, you know, a nerdy dork on Tinder, check out ChatGPT. <laughs> He'll get you laid. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Until they meet so, you in person. Right. Then it's all downhill from there. AI could really be used to help enhance app security. Because there's lots of people out there building apps who are even knowledgeable in what they're doing. We're not necessarily even talking about i'm a junior developer and i just started a week right. ago like app security is its own yeah it's its own field yeah so, if not multiple fields yeah you know? and so ai could help to manage security concerns make sure your code is clean all it'll, that kind of stuff it'll lower the bar to properly test your yes. platforms without having to have like a pen testing team or hire an outside group to yeah. hack your system. Essentially, Chad GPT is not the only thing that can help you with your penetration testing. <laughs> exactly, man. It's like we almost like that's like we could have we couldn't have written that. <laughs> no. So yeah, it could really help enhance app security across the board for everybody. It can also help detect and combat new threats. Yeah, and that actually, so the other day, I didn't even know this was a DigitalOcean feature, but I was just spinning up some Docker images on a droplet and just testing things out, like just trying out some some new technologies. And I left, like I left it configured default, right? I was just mm -hmm. putzing around and playing and I left it up overnight and I actually got an email from DigitalOcean telling me that my Docker image was ex like exposed to the public and anyone could s use my database. Huh. And I was like, I did not know this was a feature. Like it was, <laughs> that was the most amazing thing ever. And that's not even probably implementing AI. So no, that's just doing like routine checks. Routine, they're just scanning ports, right? Yep. On your droplet. And so, Integrating AI, DigitalOcean is going to be able to help their customers stay so much safer. Oh, yeah. Like, can you imagine automated AI based penetration testing on a DigitalOcean droplet? Right. Like, I spin something up, get it going, and DigitalOcean goes and tests every way it can think of and come up with creative solutions yeah. to see if I can be hacked. And then they let me know. I would love to know, like, you set up your Ubuntu server wrong. like, And it doesn't even have to be server-based stuff. I just thought of this. But with game development, one of the big concerns is mods that aren't supposed to be there. People go in, change files, change important files and assets. They change hitboxes, that kind of stuff to make it easier for them to play. It was a big problem when Elden Ring was launched because it got so much attention, hackers decided to try it out 
where before a lot of the Dark Souls series had been niche. We wanted it to be difficult. I loved the games before Elden Ring. And I mean, I love Elden Ring too, but this is a totally different thing. They would go and replace actual assets within the game to make the game easier for themselves and to reduce their hitboxes, that kind of stuff. And that's one of the big concerns that I have with larger game engines like Unreal Engine and Unity is there's enough traffic and enough eyes on it and enough know-how with it that people know how to subvert the system. With AI, you could go through and yes, there are techniques to help with that, like hash keys and that kind of thing. But with AI, you could go through and better detect if anything has been changed in the game. The game can could implement AI to say, hey, this hitbox, this guy keeps dodging in an unnatural way. My question is, why would you want to be such a loser? You got to cheat. Twitch. Oh. That's what it was. They're just posers. Uh-huh. Dude, but why would you want to be that? Like uh, The viewers? Freaking dorks. <laughs> That's what they were going for. They changed their hitboxes so they couldn't get hit. And then it was, amazing player beats Elden Ring without ever getting hit. Wow. And they were good enough that it looked plausible. Yeah. There were a lot of moments where they would dodge and it would be like, well, I don't know, man. I don't. Did you really dodge that? And the answer was no. There are some people who are just that good and who actually do that and have actually played through. So if AI could actually audit the yes. game and prove that it can't be tampered yep. with, that would be dope. I like that. And that's I'll talk about it a little bit more, but there's already tools that are being built and actually already exist even before this big AI boom I was seeing them to help with that. But that's another way that AI could help with security is that kind of thing, especially for indie game developers who don't have the budget for we're going to hire a hundred security people. Right. So could that, is that like, that's only tamperable on like a local play? Yes. Yeah. I was going to say. So they download, for example, Elden Ring, they download the game, then they go through the file system, find the right 3d models and the right files related to that character, like to the main player. And they go and alter those files so that Mm. the hitbox size changes and that kind of thing. Just remove it. Why well, even have a hitbox? <laughs> <laughs> Why make it even any chance to be hit? Silly. Come on, guys. Get your shit together. This is why I developed the games. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. I actually... Ben always tells me all the game stuff because I don't know anything about it. Yeah. The, no. I mean, you already said the last thing you played was Nintendo 64. The last game I was good at was <laughs> Nintendo 64 Goldeneye. <laughs> I, I got, like, I got, I, I had a PlayStation Slappers 3. only, baby. I owned PlayStations up to PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. And then I just never played it, so. That's fair. It ends there. That's fair. I enjoyed some Mario Kart on the Wii. That was always fun. You just weren't good at it. Is that what we're saying? I was good at Mario Kart. Then you <laughs> lied. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I did lie. But but yeah, so AI can be a super helpful support tool. It can do things like we were talking about, you know, automated auditing and that kind of stuff of gameplay. It could suggest ideas on how to architect tricky things. If you don't understand, for example, how does Netflix work? 
it could tell you, well, this is probably what their data structures look like, and this is how everything is distributed, and these are all the services. And it could help junior developers and even senior developers. Oh my gosh, I never even thought about it for um, data architecture. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. Yeah, because it can help you get in the right direction. Like you can always understand the broad concept. Yeah. But if you want to like double check that you're doing things right. Yep. Okay. It could assist you with that. Yeah. It could help you write cleaner code. It could suggest efficiency improvements for things like big O notation type stuff. Most of our listeners probably aren't super familiar with that, but that is basically just an idea of how fast is a function running and where are the inefficiencies. For example, if I have, if I'm running through a list of people, big O notation would measure how efficiently I'm doing so to get to my end goal of if I'm pulling email addresses, phone numbers, and names. If I pull all three of those for each person as I go through, then it's more efficient than if I pull emails from everybody in the list and then go through the list again and, and get pull. What you yeah. Did. Yeah. So that's just a super basic. Or like, like search algorithms. You don't always want to just search a list in order. Yep. There are ways to break things up to chunk chunk it essentially and yep. just be faster. And so, AI can help you figure that out. Yeah, exactly. There are a couple of companies I mentioned earlier that have built AI-driven user testing for games. And it's for things like automated gameplay testing where they will actually have an AI drive a character for you. Because traditionally, game tester is a whole job. You have a physical person that is sitting there playing an early build of your game, going through and trying to find all the bugs, trying to find, well, if I run against this wall, for 35 minutes, can I pop through it? And that's where a lot of videos of speedrunners come from. If you go look up speedrunners for Mario 64, for example, there is a way to get to Bowser within, I think it was under five minutes. Mm. And it's an exploit from meshes not being set up correctly and if you run too far against something, then it'll actually launch you across to areas where you're not supposed to be yet. I remember. And in, you can get directly to Bowser. In the old, like the first Nintendo, uh -huh. like the Mario games, you could like drop underneath the map. Oh, and yeah. And just run through to the end. Yep. So that kind of thing. You have yeah. a person physically sitting there working on it, trying to find all the bugs, trying to find everything going on. And these companies will go through and have AI drive player characters and drive anything that you want them to, to test for that stuff. So AI is essentially taking over the role of that human person sitting there and driving characters, testing stuff for your gameplay the way that they would. <laughs> I love that I'm sitting here talking about the original Nintendo and we're talking about AI. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if only they had AI. <laughs> Back in the original Nintendo, you wouldn't be able to drop off the map <laughs> and beat that level. Oh, man. Or Pong. How old can I go? Oh, my gosh. But yeah, so we can do all kinds of stuff like that with AI. And like you said, it's taking the place of a human doing intelligent tasks. Because this isn't something, that kind of thing isn't something that you can just tell it, okay, well, I'm going to have a unit test where it runs against a wall 
in every spot in the game. Right. And my unit tests are going to take five years. Why does your unit test take <laughs> five years? <laughs> well, we got to hit every single pixel. <laughs> right. But AI can go and essentially map out all those paths super fast, find flaws, and report back to you however you want it to report. And that's super helpful, especially, again, for indie developers. There are darker sides to this, but we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> yeah. No, well, there's a lot of benefits, and it's going to lower the cost of entry for a lot of people. Yes. Which is good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> so there's automated game testing. There's security testing. Yep. Security. I feel like we touched security a little bit. Yeah. But to dive into it more, you could essentially have an AI platform or tool be an entire like pen testing mm-hmm. team, right? That you would pay thousands of dollars to. Oh yeah. To go after your system to make sure. Like I recently just built a public API. Kind of scary, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't it it's not good. You don't <laughs> want to just open up your platform to every IP address coming in. But we have the we had the need to do that. And then you learn a lot about that. But if AI could like pen test and find weaknesses, because mm-hmm. who knows, maybe I missed something when I architected yeah, our, and it a, could, our public API. It could do that not only not only for hey, we just made a public API, but say you've got a company, you run a public API as one of your services. In place of unit tests, which traditionally are the way that we as developers go and test things out, the AI could go and run all these pen test actions before you take your API live, before any changes happen. Mm -hmm. So it becomes part of that tool chain and part of the pipeline of I ran all my unit tests, nothing unexpected happened. Now my AI pen testers are going to come in and see if they can hack through any of the changes that I made. And it could, in theory, because a lot of this right now is just theory. Mm -hmm. It could, in theory, make it really easy to have rock solid public platforms that don't have problems like, I don't know, default username and password running everything for Postgres. Is that wrong? (laughs) Should you not do Postgres, Postgres? (laughs) Oh, I don't think we've talked about this before. <laughs> <laughs> we've made fun of it a lot, actually. There's even like potential for it to probably crawl code base and find hidden Trojans. Oh, yeah. You know, like things that the human eye can't easily find in who know, like 100,000 lines of code. Oh, yeah. AI driven pull, uh, pull request reviews and that kind yeah. of stuff. Like, this code looks scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we should merge this. <laughs> give give the AI different personalities. You've got, you've got the cowboy who just hits approve. You've got, <laughs> and it goes, yeah. <laughs> you've got the stickler who will not approve it just on principle. Find nitpicky Yeah, things. you have to find one thing. Is this four spaces or a tab? <laughs> I don't like this variable name. <laughs> I don't think it's concise enough. <laughs> that would be funny, actually. That would I would, be hilarious. I would dig that. <laughs> I would have the stickler do all the PRs. Oh, yeah. But I would be mad if it 
Some, like sometimes I just merge my own things because Ben is too slow. Someti- too slow. <laughs> <laughs> I get I a like, message. Yeah. Ben PR. Fifteen seconds later, Jacob merged PR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, you know sometimes I got things to do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there are a lot of positives. Yeah, to AI. Another big way that AI could be used is with UI. I'm already seeing a lot of frameworks. I'm trying to think of specifics. I think Envision had one. I know I saw a couple of emails from design tool companies like Figma saying, hey, we have a new AI tool for designing UIs. And that could be a big thing for AI to really help with for a lot of reasons. One of them, for example, is accessibility. So a lot of designers don't take accessibility into account for a lot of developers don't either. Oh yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of everybody. <laughs> Lots of does people it. just don't. <laughs> like accessibility. Who <laughs> yeah. needs that? Never heard of her. <laughs> so a lot of designers aren't trained in it, and a lot of developers, like you said, and it's usually an afterthought. AI could step in and be building out UIs and assisting with the creation of them where accessibility is not an afterthought, where you've got it right in your face. For example, if you inspect an element in Chrome or a Chromium browser, it actually already has a score, if you hover over text, of how readable the text is based on the background. And if it's below a certain threshold where it violates accessibility rules and best practices, it'll have a little red X next to it saying, hey, you need to fix this. So that kind of simple idea could really help with UI design because there are a lot of UIs that are designed that are really pretty. Functionality and accessibility is not so much a consideration. So this site's only for people with good eyes. Exactly. (laughs) If you require glasses, you're not going to be able to see this. You're not allowed to use this website, loser. (laughs) But yeah, so that kind of stuff AI could really help with. And it could also help with things like chatbots, customer interactions. Yeah, like customer service, boom, or even uh, support a support system. Mm-hmm. Customer service in general will probably be replaced by AI. I'm, Im- I'm imagining the angry Walmart cashier AI. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, well, of course, they'd have to have cashiers for that to be a thing, but. I'm always frustrated by companies that are very slow at uh, support questions, Mm -hmm. like especially when you find a bug and then they take three days to say, oh, it is a bug, but they didn't respond to you until it was three days later. A service that we use for billing and in our contracts and stuff, horrible customer service. Oh my gosh. That made me so mad. There was one time before we were using it for Hired Gun, one of my clients, I billed them through it. I had set up the instant payments because to me, taking 3% off of what I pulled in, it was worth it to get it within 10 minutes instead of 14 days. Yeah. And I set it up and my payment just wasn't coming. And I had confirmation that the client paid. It sent me an email. It marked it as paid. But the money was not showing up in my bank account. And after four days of back and forth, They finally responded with, oh, hey, there's a limit on how much the instant can do. And this payment is over that limit. 
And it and took like, them four days. <laughs> well, so let's replace that person with AI <laughs> because that would be nice. Exactly. So that's another place where AI could really help. And it could also help with a lot of data science stuff, like extracting valuable insights from large amounts of data. Because everybody everywhere is collecting data, analytics, all of that stuff. But a lot of times you're actually hiring an individual person or a company to go in and make that data make sense. Yeah, so errors happen, stuff gets overlooked, you have human biases. Yeah, um, I've talked about them before, but heat maps in games. They track where players are going, so you can see, oh, they're avoiding this area, they haven't gone and explored this yet. There have been quests in MMORPGs that nobody had fulfilled because nobody knew to go down this certain path. Humans, when they're looking at it, can come up with a million reasons why players wouldn't be going down this path. AI might give you the simple answer of, it's not visible and nobody knows it's there. Mm -hmm. Where humans might have those human biases where they're going, well, maybe they're in a rush or maybe they didn't like how it looks. Well, I mean, how or... many times have you or I or anybody that we know like programmed a feature and you, the way you did it made uh -huh. sense and you couldn't, you couldn't wrap your mind around someone using it a different way. Yes. AI would instantly find that. And so should it, someone doing any testing or QA testing. But yes. normally, like when <laughs> you create a feature, you don't know how to use your feature. Someone's going to use it differently. Yes. And that's, where, that's why feedback is so valuable during the development process is it makes sure that you avoid that. Yeah, exactly. But AI could really help with that. Yeah. It is basically going to just remove the inefficiency of people. Terminator style. Terminator style. <laughs> it, it'll also be really good for like real-time decision-making. So speech recognition. So like Google Translate, I'm sure people have used. It works pretty well and it works really well on the fly. That's only going to get better. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then just uh, real-time decisions in apps. Mm -hmm. So your app can actually change. You know, it could decide what ads do I show, how often... That's a good example, actually. How often is this user actually interacting with the ads or how often are they skipping them? Because really for ad-based revenue, you're looking for the click-through mm -hmm. and you want users to click them. If you've got somebody playing who literally never clicks on ads, you can drastically improve their experience and instead make sure to push, hey, for five bucks, we'll remove all the ads. Right. Which a lot of the games do by default and they have that option. But if somebody is clicking on every ad, you, you don't want to give them that option. Right. You want them to keep clicking on ads. <laughs> right. This would help you leverage and monetize your app in yep. the most efficient way. So there's a lot of future and a lot, there's a bright future and a lot of potential for AI, which is great. It could be used for a lot of great things. My outlook's a little bleaker than that. But well, I, I look at it as. It's a tool, right? It, yeah. You can leverage your skill base with an equal almost or even something even smarter than you. And it should just up your game, right? Yeah. Like if I'm not sure how to do a certain like search algorithm, like I mentioned before, ChatGPT could help me. 
Yeah. And so now that just helped me write more efficient code, cleaner code. And I don't have to dig through all my old like uh, computer science textbooks. Yeah. And as a tool, that makes sense. And that's fantastic. But what I'm seeing a lot of, at least in, in my world, is a lot of people are already losing their jobs mm -hmm. in favor of AI tools, which, by the way, are legally questionable in right. terms of their sources. There's a lot of dark sides to this. <laughs> but a lot of people are losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things that I flagged, and I was like, I hate this, was AI art. Because when that was the first big trend a couple months ago, right. everybody was going to mid-journey or... Um, any of the million different options, stable diffusion for AI art. And they're generating all this art that was based on other people's work that they didn't give permission to use, but it was right. taking it anyways. <laughs> and there were a bunch of artists complaining about, I've had pretty steady work. And my commissions, like a bunch of them just canceled and I have nothing coming up. And it's causing a lot of problems for them. And then there were all these waves of layoffs with tech companies where part of it is, yes, they overhired mm -hmm. and that's a correction. But a large part of that, the jobs that I'm seeing most affected where people are getting laid off are jobs that could be replaced by AI tools that already exist. Like writing copy yes. and things like that. I was going to, oh, yeah to be a skeptic towards AI is web scraping mm -hmm. is illegal if you don't own the data. <laughs> yes. So the way a lot of this stuff is being collected or has been collected is in is question. not above board. Right. The way that they've covered a lot of it is through shell companies. And they're, all these shell companies are research companies because there are bylaws where if it's for research purposes, then yes, you can take the data and it's not illegal, but that data and that research is not supposed to be commercialized. So through a bunch of different companies, they're ending up commercializing the research being used by... Anyone paying <laughs> for ChatGPT every these, month. These for-profit companies. Breaking and that's where, Like MidJourney was getting a lot of art from artists who did not give their permission. Yeah. And you had these no-skill people in their comments and on Twitter and in Reddit and on their YouTube videos, badgering them and baiting them and being like, I just ran this artwork for through Midjourney. I went ahead and submitted your work you just made to Midjourney's pool. Ha ha ha. Now I can make art better than you. And there was one guy, he's a really talented artist. I really love his work. He's a character designer. And these people were feeding his artwork specifically to Stable Diffusion and then holding these contests of who did it better, the original artist or Stable Diffusion. I mean, that's just a dumb thing right there. Yeah. Clearly the original artist. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just theft. Yeah. And that's my problem with yeah. it is a lot of it. AI has a lot of potential and it could be great. And as a tool, it could be fantastic and life changing but that's not how it's being used. Yeah, there's always a conversation that should be had around ethics. <laughs> For real. <laughs> and in today's, in today's world, the internet and its anonymity 
have emboldened a lot of people to do things that you wouldn't normally do. And now they are extending that into actually affecting people's work. So we definitely need to have a conversation about ethics with this because it's going to come for everybody. There was actually a study done with Gen Z and their technical capability where they found that because they haven't had to dig through things like millennials had and they hadn't haven't had to dig through file systems and deal with all that stuff, they're actually generally less technically capable than a lot of millennials are. They know how to use apps. They don't have any idea how anything behind the scenes works. And that's going to be the case with AI. So they know how to use tablets, but not a computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so like with that, junior developer jobs are probably toast. Oh, they're done. <laughs> a lot of developer jobs will be done. Yeah. And I don't like saying that. Nope. <laughs> and part of that problem is as the junior jobs disappear, you've got this gap between normal progression as somebody starts as a junior developer and learns from their mistakes and works their way up. Eventually, we're going to have a giant gap there where finding senior developers yeah, is Yeah, how do be... people become a senior if junior devs are no longer yeah, a thing? Yeah, exactly. And senior developer jobs are generally a lot of boilerplate and a lot of oh, hey, we've got a config file that isn't working somewhere, and oh, we have to architect this out. And right now, those are safe because ChatGPT generated code and Copilot code and all that stuff, it'll work sometimes. But it's not perfect. But it's not perfect by any means. Like I've messed around with it trying to make it, like I've heard that people have created full projects. Yeah. I have not seen it. <laughs> I guess it depends on your definition of a full project. Well, it's something that compiles and runs yeah. would be ideal. Like, yeah. and it could be the simplest thing. I've I've played around and tried to have it do that, mm-hmm. and I haven't been successful. Now, with that being said, since I know how the code works, I could look through it and with a few minor changes and things, I could get it running. But it still wasn't the easiest yeah. task. And so you've got like a team of 10 senior developers that are managing a bigger project that now turns into one who's basically just cleaning up after AI. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting in the next few years. Yeah. So there's definitely a dark side to it. It could be a great tool, but it's also terrifying. And it's I think it's a, it's, a, it's a little out of control right now. Yeah, for sure. It's like the Wild West. Yeah. And there's definitely, I don't know, like, I'm not a big fan of saying this, but like regulations mm-hmm. or like some sort of control because you can't just unleash mm-hmm. the beast. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe I'm just a pussy. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. I don't know the right answer, but there's there's a lot of awesome aspects, a lot of beneficial aspects, and then there's a lot of... There's just a lot to consider when you're looking at AI tools. Yep.